Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. Welcome to the Command Zone with Jimmy and Josh. My chase is number one since the episode dropped. We're up to 114 with all our friends. The super, the plane's walking again and again. I got a question though, that's what you want to know. That's why I made this song with no video. So I wanna know if you could unban, would it be Silver and Primordial, Prophet of Crufix, or Primeval Titan? Woo! Wow, wow. Andrew Mullen? You went above and beyond. You rapped for us. That was pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, I would unban the Prophet of Crufix. Yeah? I, if I could, but I don't think it needs to get unbanned. Out of those three, though, the Prophet, I think, is just the, the whatever. Yeah, I think Prophet or Sylvan Primordial. I don't think Primetime can really come off. Sylvan Primordial is still nuts. You flicker that thing. It's, it's good, but you don't get... It's not the same as Primetime. You can't get any land, right? It's, yeah, that's it's, true. Yeah. Well, um, you can get like eight lands, blow up eight things. and then I have you're... a whole list of stuff that I would think about unbanning. Hold on. I wrote it down on my phone. I wouldn't unban That's just good radio <laughs> as Josh grabs his phone to look at it. We'll play a commercial break when you go off to disappear to grab your phone. <laughs> we have. Did oh, you write do, this list today? Or is this no, I, I had it before. And, and maybe we'll discuss this at some point. But I'm going to say it really fast. And I don't really want to discuss on this episode because we have a lot of questions to get through. So at some point, maybe we'll talk about it. But I, I'm not saying I would unban all these cards. I'm saying I would think about unbanning these cards. Ready? Yep. Protean Hulk, Sylvan Primordial, Panoptic Mirror, Reoccurring Nightmare, Fast Bond, Yogmouth, Bargain, Gifts of Ungiven, Painter's Servant, Prophet Crufix, Biorhythm. Painter's Servant? Have you read that card? It's sweet. <laughs> I mostly want to unban it because I want to do stuff with it. Yeah, I mean, that's when I first saw that card, I was like, oh boy, I hope this isn't... Oh, it's banned. Crap. Yeah. Makes uh, sense, though. Yep. Anyway, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to The Command Zone. My name is Jimmy Wong. How is it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. I kind of said, how's it, too. I went, how's it going, everybody? That's fine. You can say it. That's kind of our, uh, one of the catchphrases for the, for the show, so you're allowed. Sweet. Um, this is the Command Zone Podcast, and we have a very special one coming up for you guys. We did Q&A as our final Keys to the Kingdom giveaway, uh, and the number of responses we got were, it was out of control. We used to do Q&As once in a while back in the day. We haven't done one in a while. Um, 
man, we got way more responses than we used to get, which is good. It means the show is growing and gaining popularity. It also means it's harder to sort of narrow it down because we just can't answer 200 questions in a show. Yeah. Uh, we may have to do two shows of this. We may save some of them. Anyway, we got a whole ton of people sending in the audio of themselves asking the questions. We're going to go through um, quite a few of those. And we're going to give out prizes to the people that... What? More prizes? Yeah. So if you hear your voice on this episode asking us a question, you're going to win some packs of Eldritch Moon. That means Andrew yeah. Mullen, who is basically... You know, like the next big rapper to hit the scene. <laughs> the magic uh, rapper. You just won some Eldritch Moon packs. So if you hear your voice, send uh, your address to our email, commandcast at rocketjump.com, so we can send you your packs. And one person that submitted a question is going to win three packs of EMA in our final day. And we've already announced it on Twitter. Um, and that is courtesy our brand new sponsor for the show. That would be Card Kingdom, everybody. Woohoo! Woohoo, indeed. Uh, I'm a big fan of Card Kingdom. We uh, got a lot of social media praise for them when we announced that they were our sponsor. So we're going to read out what you guys have told us about Card Kingdom. Yeah. Um, well, our good friend, A.E. Marling, who's also big in the magic world and likes to cosplay as Stitcher Gerolf, mm -hmm. among other things, said, Grats on the sponsorship. Card Kingdom is also a source of hard-to-finds and Vorthos lands. Vorthos lands? Ooh, that's taking your deck building to the next level. I just sort of jam full arts in there every time. If anybody knows about Vorthos, it's A.E. Marling. He's a level 27 flavor judge or something. I always get the number wrong, but he's a very high-level flavor judge. Absolutely. And, of course, Rogue Artificer on Twitter, uh, now going by Grunkle Russell. I think that's a uh, reference to Gravity Falls, said that, I love that Card Kingdom is sponsoring Camp Command Cast. It's absolutely spectacular. It is spectacular. Card Thanks, Kingdom man. is spectacular. Make sure you go to Card Kingdom. Use the affiliate link, which is cardkingdom.com slash command zone. If you order your cards using that link, then you'll be doing the show a favor, and you'll be letting them know that we're the ones that sent all these awesome people to buy cards from them. Get your Eldritch Moon stuff right now. Yeah. Actually, I would try and get it before the Pro Tour. That's usually when prices start going through the roof on certain cards. My bet for the card that's going to go up is actually from Shadows Over Innistrad. What is it? Rattle Chains. Rattle? Oh, yeah, because there's been a lot of spirits. Ooh. Well, if you want to listen spirits. to Jimmy, go to Card Kingdom right now. There's still time. Get your Rattle Chains before the price goes... Through the roof. That was the... That sound effect was the going up sound effect. They're going through the roof, too, because they're all, all the spirits are flyers. Yeah, yeah. And that's the sound effect for the lightning. Oh, I thought that was the sound effect of the ceiling breaking as they burst through and kept floating up. No, get your sound effects straight, man. That, yeah, that's... That sounded more like thunder. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get on to the listener Q&A for this episode. Again, if you hear your voice on the show, if we answer one of your questions, send your mailing address to commandcast at rocketjump.com, and you're going to win some free packs of Eldritch Moon, courtesy us. You're welcome. You are welcome. Okay. Again, we had a lot of entries. A lot of people asked similar questions, so... Probably if you hear a question that's like yours, then probably that was the one we chose. A lot of it was just random. Also, mm -hmm. we should say the EMA pack giveaway from Card Kingdom, the Keys to the Kingdom giveaway, that's totally random from all the people that entered. So you still, that didn't have to do with whether we chose you for the show or not. Yep. Okay, let's go to the first question. It's from Angus Berger, whose name is also Tim. Oh, very nice. There's some who call him Tim. What are your thoughts on using non-2014 Planeswalkers as commander of your deck? Is there any problems you could see running into? Would you let your playgroup do it? Any cards you need to be banned or unbanned? Love the show. Can't wait to see more episodes. 
This is a question we get a lot. Uh, this also just has a lot of discussion sparked about it on, on Twitter. I don't actually know until it would actually happen. I mean, what are your, th- would you be open to it? Yes, I would be open to it to just say like, hey, check it out. EDH players, you guys are the source for us knowing if something's broken or not. There are more of you than there are of us on the rules committee for six months only. Non-2014 Planeswalkers from the commander set are legal as your commander. Go for it. I like the first six months only part. For a limited time only. I mean, And then it goes back in the Disney vault. <laughs> I would think that would be the best way to figure out whether or not it would be broken or not. Or if it was unfair or just not, I don't know. Here's the thing, like, a lot of the Planeswalkers that are really good, like Prosh, like you mentioned earlier, because we were trying to oh, list you know, off Planeswalkers. Prosh is not a Planeswalker, but yeah, right. you were saying, like, what about Karn? And I was like, he's really good. Is that better than Prosh? I don't know. It's yeah. hard to say that. The only thing I would be hesitant about, and I'm, of course, open to that idea, because without people trying it a lot, we really don't know. But we do know that Planeswalkers as commanders tend to make games go long. Yeah. So I don't like it just in theory from that aspect. You know, I don't really necessarily think that for what the format really needs yeah. is a bunch of stuff coming in that just makes the games longer because that's a big complaint a lot of people have about the format. It's just the games can really drag and Planeswalkers have a real tendency to push it towards that. Yeah, I'm interested to see too because so a card like Prosh is a sack outlet on the card. You can do it at instant speed. And Planeswalkers are powerful because you can use their ability once a turn, but it's actually not that good if you have to wait four turn cycles before you get back to you to use the plus one, minus one, or whatever. And I feel like it's going to be really hard to keep your Planeswalker alive. That has to be a huge part of all these decks, right? Like, if you want to make your Planeswalker your commander, you're going to be playing the cards that make it hard for people to attack your Planeswalkers. Yeah. Yeah, so again, you're going to be playing like... This was a good point somebody brought up from our last episode, our Super Friends episode, that we failed to mention, which is that one of the big sort of marquee categories that a lot of Super Friends deck have is Fogs, mm-hmm. because that's a way to protect your Planeswalker. So if you're going by that, well, now the game's going to take even longer because yeah. you're just negating attack, st- or, uh, attack steps a lot. As for what cards do you, do you think might need to get banned if this were the case? The only one I would say is Doubling Season. Doubling I think that's season, kind yeah. of obvious, yeah. Um, and maybe it would and maybe it wouldn't. I'm not sure. It's just hard to make statements like this should be banned or this should be unbanned without yeah. having a lot of time playing an environment where a lot of people have the option to play Planeswalkers as commanders. I mean, the the other part of the question is, would you let your playgroup do it? Like if somebody came and said, hey, guys, I want to build a deck and I wanted to build it around Jason the Mind Sculptor, can I try that? I'd be, I mean, I'd be like, yeah, sure. Yeah, why not? I'll play my deck that I know is powerful and you can show me whether or not yours is and we'll all learn something. Yeah, and I have a feeling that it would be hard to make a Planeswalker-based deck that's, like, more powerful than a fully-tuned Mizzix deck yeah. or a fully-tuned Narset deck or something like that. Maybe, but I find that hard to imagine. Like, I think the Planeswalker decks, there's probably some that would could be very, very good, but are they going to be better than the top decks we're already dealing with? Probably not. Yeah, and if your playgroup does actually do this, let us know. I, I am very interested to see the results. I think, just off the top of my head, that Jace would be the best. Maybe the Garrick that untaps lands because he's just like a free ramp spell in the mono green deck. Yeah. I don't know. Not I, free, I, sorry. I feel like maybe the lower costing ones might be really good just because right. you get them out early Dak and you Faden? know you're going to get Dak them. Faden would be pretty good. Yeah, exactly. And but Mizzix is just better. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, I think Mizzix would just be a lot better in that case. I, yeah. don't, I don't know without giving it a ton of thought. Uh, I feel like 
power wise, it'd probably be fine, but it's going to cost some other things like long games. So, all right. Uh, our second question comes from Brennan Rankin. Hey, Jamie and Josh. First time, long time. All right. Would you rather have Wizards allow gold bordered cards in tournaments or reprint reserve list cards as gold bordered cards? Um, this is a really interesting question. I'd rather have them do both, honestly. Um, well, if they just. They wouldn't need to do the second one, right? If if you say, "Hey, all gold bordered cards can be played in tournaments," mm-hmm. and then they reprint the reserve list cards as gold border cards, they may as well just reprint the reserve list cards as not gold border cards. Right. That's a good point, actually. Uh, the question is, there aren't enough gold border cards to support vintage and legacy. There are like collectors editions of things like Black Lotus, but there aren't. I don't think you can get all of the original duels as gold bordered cards. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not as up to date on everything that has been gold bordered at one point or not, but they don't really do it anymore. They didn't print a ton of it to begin with. There's stuff out there. Um, yeah, they're like in these special decks that were just copies of decks that won worlds or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I think if you made gold bordered cards tournament legal, you're not bringing a huge influx of cards into the market. There's a, a, a quite a bit, but I don't think like a lot of the cards would change value a ton. Mm-hmm. They would drop a little bit in the in the short term, but then go back up because that's still you're you're putting in a, a a set amount, right? Yeah. So I don't think it would do what everyone would want, which is lower the price consistently forever. It would just increase the price of gold bordered cards because now yeah. they have a use outside of just very casual slash commander play. But it would lower the the price of the not gold bordered versions of those a little bit for now, and then right. it would tick back up because the demand's going to keep going up while the they're not printing more. Um, so if you reprint reserveless cards as gold border cards, I do think that would lower the price of all the like dual lands if you did that and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, but it wouldn't probably drop it off the side of a cliff because you can't really. What would you be doing there? You'd just be you'd be saying here, commander players, you can have it. <laughs> yeah, commander players have fun. I, I feel like wizards would first do a functional reprint of the dual lands as opposed to reprinting them in any other fashion because that's kind of violating the reserve list for them and it would just be easier for them to say like this is a new land that is essentially bad lands but has but they this, said whatever. as part of the reserve list that they wouldn't do functional reprint prints yeah so and and that would actually create problems too right because now legacy has you can run eight under under uh right. ground seas basically because you can run the functional reprint and the original so it wouldn't alleviate it that much it would a little bit um what if there are lands that are like you can only play this card in commander you I mean, may only play this if your commander is in your command zone i don't know just yeah something, something like that some see, rules like that yeah but then again you're the same problem dual lands would still be necessary you just yeah. want the other cards also like, how do you create dual lands? And really, I think this does come down to mostly dual lands. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, people want Chains of Mephistopheles and stuff like that, too. But Mo- in general, the dual lands are the driver of this question and this type of thought process. And the the big question is, how do you print dual lands, some version of dual lands for Commander, that also get rid of the need for the original dual lands? Because anything you print, I'm still going to want, you know, Taiga in the deck if it's yep. green and red. Like... It doesn't matter. I'll just add that new land in, but I'm not taking Taiga out. I'm taking a forest or a mountain out. You better not take Taiga out. So Taiga is a, for- a cheap it's one. It's a forest and a mountain, and Josh. It's, and it, turn one, Curd Ape is a 2-3, which nobody plays in Commander. I'm just... Turn eternal, one, Curd Ape. Masters. And, well, Internal Masters, that definitely housed me a, a few times. 
All right, so the next question is oh, this from fun. Greg Willing. Take it away, Greg. What is your favorite comic book character or comic book story arc? What's your favorite comic book character? I know what my favorite comic book arc is. Go ahead, say the, answer the arc part. My favorite arc is uh, Astonishing X-Men. It was written by Joss Whedon and John Cassidy, uh, and then later on it was taken on by other people. But um, it's an incredible series. It's got Gambit in there. It's got all sorts of, like, I don't know. I mean, my, my favorite is Kitty Pride. Kitty Pride's cool. Yeah. Um, in the, it was Astonishing X-Men. There, there's, there's, like, this omnibus, is what they call it. Like, they have this giant tome of the entire thing. And Wolverine is just, like, their depiction of Wolverine in that series is great. He's just this bumbling, just, like, doesn't give an F about anything. Just, like, super goofy and super weird, which is great because Wolverine's always depicted as, like, serious and brooding and all uh -huh. that stuff. So I really liked how they did him. I'm going to cheat. I'm not a big comic book guy, which is weird, and I don't really know why I'm not, because I like all the things that surround comic books, like storytelling and movies. Maybe you didn't grow and, up. And I mean, I read Astonishing X-Men like three years ago. Yeah, I didn't really grow up reading comic books for whatever reason. Again, it's a thing I probably would have liked, but I just didn't happen to do it. Um, but So I'm going to cheat a little and say, I'm going to say The Watchmen. Oh, okay. It's not a comic book. It's a graphic novel. and Graphic novels It's count. not really an arc, like the way that you mean, which is like mm -hmm. one of these specialized arcs within a long series, standing series of comic books. But The Watchmen is amazing as a graphic novel, horrible as a movie. Um, <laughs> which when they, It I looked heard, just like the graphic novel, uh, though, yeah. Josh. When I heard they were making it into a movie, I was like, how are they ever... like? It's crazy complicated, and how are they going to yeah. do it? And then I watched it, and I was like, yeah, they're not going to. That's why. It all makes sense What's now. your favorite comic book character, Jimmy? Um, this is a tough one. I don't really know. When I was a kid, it was Cable, because he was so cool looking. Cable and, like, Iceman. I was like, well, I want to... No, oh, Iceman. Iceman. Um, Silver Surfer. Silver oh, Surfer. Oh, Silver Surfer looks sweet. Looks totally sweet, right? Um, I would probably say... I don't know. Like, I've read more Batman than anything else, so I, I think Batman is probably going to be one of my favorite comic book characters i would have said the dark knight returns as my favorite comic book arc if oh, i didn't Miller. say uh yeah. watchmen both yeah, have been made into movies Batman's awesome maybe there's a tie there maybe there's a link somewhere here maybe um my favorite comic book character is and it's only recently mm -hmm. uh is robin and not all the nightwing stuff the boy wonder yeah yeah like batman and robin robin i just find the character fascinating from the concept of like it's kind of messed up when you think about it. Oh, yeah. You know, you've talked to me about this. But I, I have, may have mentioned that on the show, too. I, I don't want to go into it because I have an entire like t like TV series idea for it that I mm -hmm. may at some point like try and put, put a pilot together for. But I, the character of Robin is, is seriously fascinating. It's like a little kid got taken in by a psychopath and trained to be a vigilante hero for justice. And sacrificed his entire life for it. Yeah, and he's not a billionaire. He no. didn't, like, he didn't really, you're, when you're eight or nine, you don't make choices like that because an eight or nine-year-old will eat cotton candy for dinner every night. <laughs> like, and then he just got turned into, and I want, always wonder, like, what happens to Robin when he's 40? I know the Nightwing thing happens and everything like that, but, like, in real life, if, if a crazy person came in and taught you to fight crime when you're eight or nine years old, and you did that for a while, and then... And you saw incredible horrors and atrocities at and a very And Batman, young age. like, he gets old and probably dies you know, because he's trying to fight crime for a living. And then what happens to you? Like, you have no life skills, like regular skills. Like, isn't it, isn't, you, would, it, would you cast Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Isn't he kind of Robin-esque? I guess. He was in the movie. Anyway, Robin, Robin is my favorite Not character. the boy wonder. Now he's like the 40-year-old the scarred 
he's the Dark Knight Returns version of Robin. Yeah. I, just the whole idea of Robin is, is interesting to me. Very nice. If I had to say I had a favorite graphic novel, it would be Why the Last Man. Great oh, series. that's a good one. Yeah. Do you ever read uh, Mouse? Yeah, Mouse is great. Oh, Mouse is great. Mouse is essentially the Holocaust, but with animals. It's, it's really good. Yeah, it's very well done. Um, love the art style on that one, too. All right, next question comes from Andrew Tennant. I have a question for you guys. You guys are both generally positive, so I want to hear who is your least favorite commander to play against, and what is your least favorite card that you often see in the 99? Thanks, and keep up the great work. Blood Moon, least favorite card in the 99. That's pretty obvious for me. I would probably say... Blood Moon is my favorite card to see in the 99. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> my least favorite card? I haven't really thought about this. I think my least favorite commander to play against would be either a Child of Alara, which is funny because I have a Child of Alara deck, or someone like Derevi. Derevi. Yeah, Stax. Stax. Ugh. Or even like Animar, because it's just, you're not going to do well if the Animar deck gets going. It's just such a hard blowout sometimes with that deck especially if you're playing like Kalia or something where you're already black and white when your colors yeah i'm trying to think i don't think i have a least favorite commander to play against you know i kind of find this is my own bias but like and it's nothing to do with like i'm worried i'm gonna lose or i'm mm-hmm. worried that just like mono colored decks just bore me oh yeah so like playing against them it just makes the guessing game so much less so like I guess like Talrand even not. I don't. Anno- I'm not annoyed with getting counter. It's just it to me. I just there's not going to be a lot of surprise in that game. I know exactly how that game's going to go. I'm going to try and get something through that right. wall of counter spells, and then if I do, I have a chance. And if I don't, I don't. Well, maybe that's why I like our friend Vinny has a morph Animar deck, which is a lot of fun because you really don't know what's coming. That, and that deck is sweet. That deck is sweet. It actually does not win very often because he hasn't powered it up. He literally has like morphs that like create three tokens when they flip over in it yeah because they're great but that's not a, <laughs> I mean, it's not a commander powered yeah it's true yeah but he just likes to do it and, and sometimes you're just like you know you do something and he just spell jacks it with that one morph and you're just like how i never could have known you could have had any cards in there. yeah um i think my least favorite card to see in the 99 might be cyclonic rift overloaded because so many times it's just it just wipes away everything you've built, and then yeah. you proceed to lose because of it, or you have to discard half your hand now. You know, there's or actually that or consecrated sphinx on the other side because it just feels like you're getting buried under a mountain. Um, I play all these cards, by the yeah. way, <laughs> without say, shame, but say. I don't like playing against them because <laughs> then I have to do something about it. Uh, next question is from Lloyd Roberts. What is your favorite commander to play, and why? Yeah, well, this is easily marchesa for me uh oh really yeah i just love stealing things yeah that's stealing true. and copying things has been sort of what i've loved to do is as a magic player for the longest and casting lightning bolt so that's blue red for you in a nutshell <laughs> i like how casting lightning bolt is a whole category oh yeah it's not like casting direct damage spells it's specifically lightning well bolt. okay okay it was lightning bolt disintegrate and fireball oh, yeah. like those, OGs. those yeah og all three yeah. To where? To your face. Yeah, to your face. Duh. Duh. I don't care about killing no creatures. Uh-uh. Uh, mine is Nekusar. It's a chromat deck technically, but that deck is the deck that I, I play the most by far. It's just because it's fun for me and it's fun for everybody. Everybody just drawing five cards a turn. Everybody gets their everybody's deck does stuff. Nobody gets stuck there on mana or like uh, I didn't really get to play Magic that game because yeah. if everyone's drawing five cards a turn, then you're just hitting land drops every time, and your deck's really humming, and uh, you get to see the best types of 
games and encounters in that situation. You missed it. We drafted the cube the other night for Craig's birthday, and Josh Kim drafted Howling Mine and Temple Bell, and awesome. essentially, and, and then all the damage doublers because he wanted to just Nekusar slash um, Walking Library and whatever that card is. Yeah, yeah Walking Archive. Had, uh, walking Archive. Yeah. To Did do it work? Uh, well, everyone drew a bunch of cards and then he died. Because <laughs> everyone's like, you know, my cards are better. Than in the yours. multiplayer cube, you could easily mill people out. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, that was the other win con for yeah, sure. I like it. All right. Next question is from Jasmine Ashton. If you had to create a commander deck that had to contain all of its cards, including its commander, from one block, what block would you choose and why? I haven't been playing long enough to really answer this This well. This is a tough one. I'm going to say a Lara block. Mm -hmm. And I'm only going to say that because it has sort of the most colors. True. It has a lot of colors. Yeah. So, and and that's just for me. ultimatums, right? Yeah, that's just for me the most fun is being able to not be locked into like mono or dual color is having the ability to play three or maybe five colors so and you know it has a whole a whole set within the block is mm -hmm. all multicolored cards like there's so many cool cards in there too um so i would say alara um because i started playing again in journey into nyx i know that theros wasn't great so i'm probably just gonna say cons of tarkir block because again you have access to all the colors you have access to great mana you know there's some good legendary creatures. There's a lot of good legendary yeah. creatures. And you have dragons. You get a little bit of everything, you know. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. That probably would have been my second choice, honestly. Cool. Um, the next one is from Paul Kudanir. I hope I said that right. Sorry, Paul. What would be your ideal playgroup throughout history and why? Well. Okay, we have to make some assumptions, I think. One is. They all know how to play Magic? Well, yeah, <laughs> they have to. We have to speak the same language, right? Like, there's well, got there can't be a language barrier. Well, they'll have like the little thing that Doug has in Up, where he can just speak. There you go. Or He's the a, a thing from um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, okay, and then obviously, I'm assuming they're in their prime. Yes. Okay. Um, now, do we get to do fictional characters? No, right? We're talking. He said history, historic. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, go ahead. I have one that I think may be on your list, but Sun Tzu. Oh, I didn't even think of Sun Tzu. That's a good one. Early on in the show, Josh brought an entire episode together, which was just using the art of war and how it applied to Commander. And it's one of my favorite books of all time. That's a really good one. I did not... He would, not I wouldn't that, that be just the greatest, just like, oh, what do I do? I mean, I would get destroyed, but... <laughs> uh, I was going to say... He only plays Portal 3 Kingdom cards. <laughs> <laughs> he could, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm going to say... Genghis Khan. Genghis? Do you yeah. say it's an animated GIF as well? Genghis is the correct pronunciation. I hate to, uh -huh. I hate to break it to you. In which case, it is a GIF. <laughs> <laughs> it is GIF. I was around when GIFs were invented. It's GIF. I'm yeah, sorry. And the creator said it was GIF, so yeah. I trust that guy. Um, Genghis, nice. He would also just destroy. Yeah, and you probably wouldn't want to make him very angry at the table either, so there's that. <laughs> uh, I, part of it is just because... Because so, I think it's not just the magic; it's also like you get to hang out with these people. And mm -hmm. Genghis is one of the most mysterious figures in history. Like they don't know a lot about him. Yeah. Um, so it would be nice to learn all those the answer to the questions about him that people don't know the answer to. So that would be one of mine. Who else? I would love to see, uh, in terms of presidents, it would be a toss up between someone like Lincoln or Washington, just mm. because they were both great sort of wartime generals as well as incredible politicians. I like that. Um, I'm going to say Akira Kurosawa. Ooh, legendary filmmaker. Yeah, because like that's like 
I think just I don't think necessarily that he would be great at um, magic. Although he's super creative, so he could come up with some crazy things that nobody else would think of. But I think just sitting next to him and being able to ask him about movie making would be really interesting. Yeah, nothing to do with magic. Um, I w- maybe Mary Shelley. Oh, that's a good one. Someone that is a famous author. Actually, just you could just go down the list of famous authors, yeah. and I think they would, you'd find some. Like she would totally play a, a blue black Demir zombie deck, right? Like, I mean, you'd have to assume. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say Elizabeth the first. Ooh. Just because. Very nice. Again, like super strong, powerful ruler, and a woman in a time that was dominated by, you know, men, and uh, ruled for a long time, and, you know, got the British Empire you know, so much farther than it was when she took over. Um, Joan, of Joan of Arc's a really yeah, good one. Yeah, fits right there, too. Yeah. Martin Luther King Jr., maybe. Ooh, interesting. Uh, that's a really good He's one. He's a Johnny player because he has a dream. I wanted to think of, like, a, a political person, somebody who, who'd like, was known as a very good orator, like a silver tongue type of person, mm-hmm. um, or a really good politician. And I would so, want to put a villain in there, too, right? You kind of want to have a little bit of everything just to... Yeah, but you have to play with... They were in your play group. You got to play with them every night. Oh, you can't just kick them out. So if you say Hitler, then you're... In, oh, no. You know, no, thank you. Yeah. Hitler Plus, would just be playing a mono-white, just like <laughs> stacks, board wipes, just an awful deck. I was going to say... Um, Otto von Bismarck's a really good one. He was a really complicated politician before the time of World War One, and uh, Cicero from the Roman times was oh, known Roman as like times. one of the great. Yeah, Caesar's another one that I would Shakespeare. Have thought of. Yeah, so, I mean he wasn't from Roman times. He wrote about Roman times a lot, but yeah. So, geez. Okay, so our playgroup would have twenty-seven people. <laughs> and what the hell are Jimmy and I doing sitting at the table with those people? I don't know. It's because we found the time machine out back at the Circle K. Yeah, and we're like, hey guys, we host a podcast. You may not have heard of it, but it's big time. It's big time, and we talk about you guys too. They'll just glare at us. <laughs> Jengus flips the table, pulls out a sword. Or oh my gosh, his actually, cavalry comes riding in. Bow and arrow. Bow and arrow they yeah. yeah, they didn't swords. Sorry. Yeah. Um, all right, that was fun. Next question. This one's from Shogo Star. How good are off-color fetch lands in EDH? They're very good. They're very good. Yeah, they, they get your lands. They also can do things like, I think a lot of people don't understand why in like a mono green deck, you would run some of the, fe- well, not mono green so much. Right. Let's say like a green red deck, mm-hmm. you might run the fetches that go and get you red black. Because that fetch can also get you red green. Taiga. Yeah. It can also get you the shock land. That is, what's the shock land? The red green shock land? Uh, stomping ground. Stomping ground. So those are ways to go get. And, and then when you add more colors, it's even more chances to go get more duels. Yeah, not to mention there's also that new green spell that gets all your lands back from the graveyard now. And, yes, and Crucible, Crucible of, of Worlds. Worlds. Jinx. Uh, yeah, I think off-color fetch lands, if you have them, there's very little reason to not put them into a deck that's running more than two colors if you have good fetch targets for it. Yeah. So if you don't have, obviously, the, the lands that have the, you know, swamp, island, the basic land types in them, then they're not going to be as good. But it, yeah. provided you have those, then off-color fetches are great. And this is something we've heard the Rules Committee sort of deliberating about. Sheldon's come on record saying they're tr- sort of trying to look for a way to get rid of off-color rid of it, fetches, yeah. fetches, but they don't know how to elegantly word a rule like that yeah very specifically because the off-color fetches don't have any color symbol in them they just refers to forest or plains or you know the the land type so you can play it in any deck this to me falls under the category of it ain't broke like i don't think that's a real problem with our format yeah so 
obviously a deck like Gitrog, you want to run all the fetch lands. Yeah. Um, but that's good because it makes that deck more viable. That's not like a crazy powerful deck. Yeah. You know, Titania, you want to run as many as you can. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't see the need to get rid of off-color fetches, but evidently they're trying. We'll see if it happens. I don't think it's broken anything. You're right. It's not like people are like, oh, God, I played against this guy that had all these off-color fetches, and he totally went infinite with his fetch. No, it's yeah, he totally bad. ruined me with his off-color fetches. Yeah, that, wasn't, just... that wasn't the issue. Yeah. Next question? Sure. That was a nice pause. <laughs> <laughs> We're just uh, like, uh, which, whose turn is it? Yours. Okay. Carl Bjornstad. Great name. We can all agree EDH is awesome, but what's the one thing about the format that you dislike the most? Ooh, Carl's got a silky smooth voice. Carl, you could you could take over for me on this show, you know, someday when I when I pass away. <laughs> oh gosh. I was wondering where you were going with that. It's like when I when retire? I retire? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was like retire from podcasting. <laughs> Jeez, what a, what an illustrious career that was. <laughs> You talked well, a lot. I got to play with Martin Luther King Jr. <laughs> and Genghis Khan. And... Dude, that's pretty sweet. I want to play Jenga with Genghis Khan. Every time you say Genghis Khan, I'm like, let's play Jenga. He would get very mad if he lost. Well, he would lose because he would flip. I th- Why is it that Genghis always gets portrayed as like this guy that's like, ah, just mad? I think it's literally because of Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Yeah, that makes that yeah. makes a lot of sense, actually. All right, sorry. Um, EDH is awesome. What's the one thing about the format that you dislike the most, Jimmy? I probably dislike the fact that it's just really hard to get people together to play sometimes because you need so many you can't just play against one person i mean you can but then you kind of lose the magic of why you why at least i started playing in the first place um you may as well play standard modern yeah sealed or hopper yeah Yeah. you know like i love doing limited 1v1 because you can actually get something out of it um edh 1v1 like 1v1 your decks aren't built to play it unless you're playing dual commander all the time yeah which is sort of different i like whipping out like the the dual deck anthology to do 1v1 stuff but yeah i I dislike that it's just really hard to get people together because the time requirement is tough um i'll occasionally go to stores and play games with people but it's not the same as playing with like your best buds yeah the, the people that you love to play with so much of edh is the camaraderie of your group right okay yeah. and it's My, also it's also a chance to see people i never see you know like i, I see them like once me. a month you know, see never you. see me. I see you too much, Josh. <laughs> I see you that's more okay, than I see I'm my brother. retiring soon. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, on a high note. Um, my least favorite thing about the format is the whining. Yeah, I, I could see that one coming. Yeah. Aren't Just you stop. kind of whining about it? Yeah, I'm whining about the whining. Stop whining, people. It's cool. Shuffle up, play another game. It, not everything is like some... Not every game speaks volumes about the format. It was just one game. Yeah. It's the same when people complain about traffic in LA. It's like, it's going to happen no matter what. You you saying stuff is not going to change it. It may make you feel better in the moment, but ultimately it's not going to change anything. All right. Your turn. Cameron Fowler has our next question. Take it away, Cam. On the command zone, you spend some time talking about your personal and professional lives, and that's pretty cool. Josh, off the top of your head, how many trailers have you worked on, and which one's been your favorite? Jimmy, as a content creator and actor, which project has been your favorite to work on? Boy. Josh, you could also ask your my question to you. Like, what's your favorite project? Isn't well, he did. He said trailers, and then what has been my favorite? But yeah. it doesn't have to be a trailer, right? Oh, true. Josh is Josh played with Genghis Khan once. <laughs> I got a little bit Genghis Khan. <laughs> um, let's see. I I don't know how many trailers. It's a lot. It's probably around forty, is mm-hmm. my guess. Um, if you're just counting trailers, trailers, then it's that. If you're counting like all the TV spots and other things for other movies, it's 
It's at least 100 movies, probably more. Oh, my gosh. Um, what is the favorite trailer I've worked on? We're in Rocket Jump. I should say VGHS. I'm going to say Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. You didn't, why did you say VGHS? I gave a nod to it. That's, yeah. All right, that's good enough. But Scott Pilgrim vs. the World was my, by far the best trailer I think I've cut, and it was the most fun, too. And unfortunately, the movie didn't do super well. So I feel bad about it, even though the movie's really, really good and everybody that sees it likes it. So we didn't even do our job, but I still think the trailer for it is... By no fault of the trailer. I remember seeing the trailer and being like, ah, this is going to be sweet. For whatever reason, it just didn't connect with people. It makes me sad. Edgar Wright was a really cool guy. I really wanted that movie to do well. It's It's also a trailer that I heard Quentin Tarantino saw and liked, so that that was a feather in my cap. You know, I want to play EDH with Quentin Tarantino. That would actually be sweet. I want to do it, make a Vorthos deck that's themed around Reservoir Dogs. Ooh, Mr. Pink. Mr. Pink. You get, it's got to be five colors, obviously. Yeah. You have to have a card that represents an ear at some point. Is there a card with somebody with, like, missing an ear, getting their ear cut off? Or I'm sure there's something in Magic's history. There's got to be. Tell us, tell us, everybody. Um, that's really exciting. I, I liked that. That I, was the one thing I definitely saw that you did before we ever met. It's I, you know when I was talking to your brother and telling everybody like hey I want to meet you guys and here's the stuff I've done and I'd like to work with you that's always the trailer I put at the top. Oh you yeah. Know, so especially for a group like Rocket Jump everyone here loves Edgar Wright. Obviously that movie not doing great has not affected his career too much. Right, he's fine. <laughs> yeah. He's the kind of guy that can say no I don't want to direct Ant-Man anymore and walk <laughs> away from the project. Not many people can do that. So, Jimmy, um, your favorite project that you've worked on? Well, we're at Rocket Jump, so I should definitely say Video Game High School. I'll probably also just end up saying Video Game High School. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's the same thing. I got to work with all my best friends. I got to do a project that I was passionate about, uh, one that I enjoyed going to set every single day. And I think I learned definitely the most as an actor from doing it for three years because there's something about doing the same role consistently over time that's really beneficial. As opposed well, you to just, had a lot of different things to do. Like, you yeah. had a whole episode where, you know, your, your father had died and there was a lot of emotion that we wouldn't expect from VJHS and there was a lot of opportunities for acting growth because of things like that, I think. Yeah, and the writers obviously did a really great job and specifically because they wrote it with me in mind and it, that just got more specific as the years went by too, which is great. Also, so, very much doesn't hurt that it was hugely successful in the biggest web series of all time. Every time I look over at you, there's just these three posters for VGHS yeah, they're all right there. staring at me. <laughs> my own freaking face just looking down. I'm like, oh my goodness. All right. Oh, okay, if you have not watched Video Game High School, we've plugged it on the show, but we haven't done it in a while. Yeah, it's true. You should definitely check it out. You know what's a cool story? I'm in Hawaii. There's a restaurant, or sorry, not a restaurant, a grocery store we go to because we live there for a while and we know that they have cheap, you know, all the macadamia and that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's a big, it's sort of like a Target, but it's a more localized, so it's not Target, it's something like that. And we walk in, and they have an electronics section, and on their 65-inch, you know, Panasonic yeah. TV that they're selling, I'm like, hey, that's Jimmy. <laughs> hey, that's Video Game High School. What am I doing up there? <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm 65 inches in Hawaii. I was going to say I'm huge in Hawaii, but that... I was like, this is awesome. They're playing it as their, like, cool. advertisement piece inside the store. Well, there is a lot of action and a lot of great, like, you know, VFX and stuff that would probably look good on a big TV. But that's a that's a compliment. You know, we, we built that thing to look good on a computer screen, so... Well, and they could be playing Batman versus Superman on to sell that TV, Which but is they such chose a good movie. They chose to play, yeah, bad example, but they chose to play a video game high school on it. So that says a lot. That's awesome. I would love to if if you're listening to the show for whatever reason, if you enjoy Commander, thanks, person. Who? Are you? Oh, the the, the person whoever the, decided to throw it up there. Yeah. Okay. It was at Don Quixote in Honolulu. Ooh, cool. That's a good name. One of my favorite stories. 
Is it my turn? It's your turn. <laughs> Dang it. I keep losing track. You're okay. the odds. I think I'm the evens. <laughs> okay. It may have changed. Oh, all right. Okay. That You're cheating. That's how you're doing it. By like <laughs> thinking about it. <laughs> cheating. Um, the next one is from John Taylor. I was wondering if you guys are going to be finishing your color wheel series. I noticed that you've only done white, black, uh, green, and red. I was wondering if you're going to finish up blue. Yeah, I keep trying to write the blue color wheel series, and then it just gets countered every time. <laughs> it just erases itself from my hard drive. I'm like, where did it go? I, I, I spent so much mana writing that thing. I was thing. about to cast it. I was about to, yeah, it was on the stack. I hit save. I was going to podcast it. Oh, boom. That was good. That was really good. Yeah, we're definitely going to finish the color wheel series. 100% yes. Sorry, John, it's taken so long. Yeah. Um, it's probably been like a year since we did the last one. We'll get on it. It's funny because uh, it originally came up as a, like a, oh, we need a new episode for this week. Oh, I have an idea. Let's just go through, in the same way we did top 10 for everything, let's do something about the color wheel. And then by, somewhere by the end, by the time we did the fourth one, it was like, well, you know, we have other ideas for stuff now. We'll get back to it eventually. Yeah, there's stuff like um, high rollas. Yeah, high rollas. There's the top tens. I don't think we finished the top tens for like all the stuff we want to. Yeah, there's a lot more. There's we the do. color wheel series. Um, that was at a time when I think, yeah, we were every once in a while we we're like we don't have an idea for this week, but that doesn't happen very often anymore. But that's okay. We do need to finish that series. We will do it. Hundred percent. It's an even number. That means you. All right. This one comes from Mike GK. My question is that if you or your playgroup feels like someone's deck is too powerful and is taking the fun out of the game, what would you recommend that we do about that? Uh, this is a tough one. It's, it's gonna, interesting. It's going to be playgroup to playgroup. Yeah. It, boy. We talked about this kind of thing a little in the Fostering a Healthy Playgroup episode. Mm-hmm. It just, I mean, it super depends. Part of it is, you know, the big step always is what? Communication, right? Yeah. I mean having a talk about it is good um also just not you can't expect someone they've built a deck it probably costs a certain amount of money it definitely costs a lot of thought and time and so if you're going to go up to somebody and just say i don't want you to play that deck anymore it's too powerful that's rough right if you're that person and somebody says that to you boy that's like going to somebody and going you can't ever eat french fries again ever oh man right it's like okay but you can understand if somebody goes, listen, you you got genetic predisposition for diabetes and yeah. blah, blah, blah. You can't eat <laughs> French fries very often, maybe sorry. once a week. I'm just making the one-to-one comparison. Yeah, like, this metaphor. You have a genetic predisposition for being a, a, a butt and playing mean That's decks. not a butt. That's no, just true. You have a genetic predisposition maybe to like a certain style of play. Yeah. Um, yeah, communication is huge. Obviously, it's just something that you could just tell the person, like, hey, like... I don't know if you've noticed, but the last three times I've played, in my personal experience, not saying anything about you or anyone else, but for me, the way that that deck has made me feel is X. And right. that is a very hard thing for someone to be like, well, that's wrong, because it's you're not telling them what they did. You're not telling anyone else what they're thinking. You're just explicitly telling your own side of how you felt after something happened. And it's very hard for someone to, to in person especially, to hear that and be like, I'm going to ignore that. So I think that's a nice first step if if you haven't tried something like that already. Also, a lot of times decks that are too powerful are easily self-policed by the group by just attacking that person first. Yeah, and they'll learn quickly that, oh, darn. And you say things at the table like, that deck always wins. It's really powerful. We have to do something about it. Let's gang up. And that means they know why you're doing it, Mm -hmm. and they can now react accordingly by either playing a different deck sometimes or 
And this never happens, and I'm not a proponent of it, but I guess in theory, powering down their deck. Yeah. Um, I've seen people do it to a certain degree, but it's never a feel-good moment for anyone because you know, I don't want to be the person asking someone to power something down. I don't want to be the person powering it down either. It's just kind of like a... Uh, kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here. If it's the type of deck that sort of wins in the same way every time, maybe you encourage the person to try and take out that way that it wins. And and so, yeah. that, you know, if it's just like every time in Armageddon's with Ulamog out, then after you've they've won that way a few times, maybe it's like, hey, well, maybe that deck can win in a different way that doesn't use Armageddon. Yeah, I would also actually check out, like, try and figure out why that deck is too powerful. Because if it's just like, oh, they cast Ar uh, Armageddon or they cast Insurrection every time, then that's something that you can actually easily fix by just finding a way to stop that effect, but also have it make your deck a little bit better in the meantime. You know, like, maybe it's maybe it's not saying that you should that your decks are bad, but maybe how they're winning and how it's too powerful is slightly indicative of a way that you could maybe improve your own game as well. So there's lots of different angles to approach you that obviously just avoid direct like bad confrontation discussion discussion is good there is another strategy you could go to and this will work sometimes with certain personalities i'm not an advocate of it all the time but you could just build a deck that's like all counter spells and just counter that person's stuff you know if they're not going to listen if they're not going to come to the table that'll bring them to the negotiating table sometimes you have to do things similar to that again yeah. again only certain people require that and i hope you're not dealing with somebody like that because those people in all likelihood are just going to create a rift in your playgroup some way. Yeah. People that are just aren't willing to in any way work with you. But that is a strategy that I've had some success with. I love the way that Mike actually phrased this question. It starts with, if you or your playgroup find that, and then it ends, what would you recommend we do about that? Yeah. Which is like, oh, this is a, a problem you're having. I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> sorry, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Asking for a friend. Um, it's odd, so it's me. See how I, I, I catch on eventually. We got there. On the last By question. By the last question. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, the last question is from Kayla Brown. I was just curious what your favorite set is to draft. Hmm. Uh, I only got to do it maybe four times, but the original Modern Masters is a super duper duper fun. That's a good one. Same with Kanzatark here. That's interesting because those are the two... My favorite absolute is Rise of the Eldrazi, mm -hmm. and then I would put cons, then Modern Masters, the oh, wow. first Modern Masters. Okay. But, yeah, Rise is sweet. I did have a lot of fun drafting Eternal Masters as well. Yeah. Uh, I, think I don't that's... think it's quite cons or Modern Masters good, though, is it? I mean, the power level-wise, it's above cons, below Modern Masters, and I like having a slightly higher power level. I like being able to play sweet, awesome spells and mm -hmm. maybe open cool stuff too. That's part of the, the yeah, drafting that's... environment is like, oh, I opened a, a wasteland. I'm not going to play it, but I'm taking it. Yeah, that is actually the lottery ticket part is an under uh, underrated part. And you know we like to gamble. Um, yeah, Rise is super fun. The level up mechanics, sweet. Just getting out huge fatty is, uh, it's really cool. Yeah. You know, a lot of people say Innistrad to this question. Mm -hmm. The problem, I think, for both of us is just timing. Like, I started, I came back to playing near the end of the Innistrad block. So I didn't, I think I drafted full block Innistrad, like, once or twice. But I had just come back to the game, so I was really bad. So I just got stomped. Uh, but and I it know... Wasn't, it wasn't triple Innistrad either, which is what... No, it was. was. Oh, it was? Yeah. And we drafted, like, Dark Ascension, mm -hmm. Innistrad, maybe once. And... Uh, I was very new back to the game. I was maybe only a couple months back. And so I was still getting my feet set as to like, oh, wait, how does yeah. everything work now? It's different. And I just wasn't very good. So 
that's that's one I would put on the list though of great draft formats just based on the caliber of person I know that thinks that. Like Marshall thinks that, and I think like Kenji EDM, thinks Kenji, that. Yeah. yeah, like if those people are all in agreement, it's probably awesome. I just didn't get that experience the same way they did. Yeah, I'm also excited to draft Eldritch Moon a little bit more. I got to do it once, uh, and it seems really fun, so I'm excited to delve a little deeper into that. I'm excited about it. I think that, notice all the sets we said, right? Mm -hmm. Cons, Modern Masters, Rise of the Eldrazi, none of them are a mix of different packs. It's true. I think the great draft sets are almost always three of the same pack. It can be more focused. There's, you know, you don't have to abandon the mechanic halfway through, because I found that... You can sort of make risks, calculate risks. Like, mm -hmm. it's a, what I need, the card I need to pick up now is a common, but I've got a, two more packs left or a pack and a half left, so I can take a speculative pick, assuming I might get one of those, which is just harder to do when the packs are mixed. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a fun one. All right, um, guys, don't worry if you sent in a question and we didn't get to it. We have so many. We have like 80 or something that we'll definitely be answering more on a future episode. Bing! And we'll be giving out more packs when we do that because yeah. we never an just answer questions. We have to give something to the person that asked 13 it. 13 people won this time. That's a lot of packs. 14. 14. Oh, that's Andrew right. Andrew Mullen was That's right. Yeah. Andrew was number one. Oof. I was, I was, I've been plagued by the number 13 recently, so I'm glad that we actually had 14 here because it ended on 13, but truly it's 14. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. We should have had 13 just to be all Eldritch Moon, Shadows over Innistrati. We sort of did. We cheated. Andrew doesn't count because he rapped, so it wasn't a full-on question. It wasn't, it wasn't like real, a yeah. song. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, uh, go ahead. Yeah, as a reminder, this show is brought to you by the one, the only, Card Kingdom. Can I, can I like make a C? If I do, a, if I do this I on the key, Oh, it's got to be this way. Is this right? I don't know. Yeah, it's a C. CK. Card Kingdom. CK. Cardkingdom.com <laughs> slash command zone. Yep, Card Kingdom, again, it's awesome. It's an online retailer. You can get any single you want. You can get sealed product. You can get anything you want for Magic. They've got great prices. They are also incredibly fast at shipping. They will get your cards to you within the week almost always. Um, everyone that's won these Eternal Masters booster packs from our giveaway has gotten them within two to three days. Super fast. Yeah. In fact, when I see them tweet at us, I'm like, holy crap, you already got your packs. That's so cool. So obviously, these guys are great. Make sure that when you do go to the website, you go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone so they can track who we're sending over, it's going to help them also be able to tailor the sponsorship so it really addresses the needs of our audience, of you all. Uh, and that's going to be really important moving forward because it means we get to do more specialized giveaways. I think the Eternal Masters was very fit for uh, Commander players because there's so many great cards in there for Commander. You can't. It's almost impossible to open up three packs of Eternal Masters and not get something you want for one of your decks. Yeah. All oh, right. Quick question. Yeah. Did you mention Braids in your list of cards that should be unbanned? No. I don't think Braids needs to be banned. Yeah, that's a good one. I don't know why it wasn't on my list. Probably just, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Because it's not super too powerful. It's yeah, just annoying. Yeah. Yeah. But that's fine. removal? That's fine. A lot of things are annoying. Um, now it's time for the instep, where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic, Jimmy. By talking about something that still involves magic. But it's, it's yeah, it's sort of half, like it's got its little toe in the world of magic. Or maybe it's big toe. Yeah, I'd say it's a toe at the very least. We'll figure out which toe it is. Uh, San Diego Comic-Con happened this last weekend, and uh, I got to attend. I did not stay up all night in line to get the new San Diego Comic-Con Planeswalker package. I really like the art for it, though. Eric Deschamps, Deschamps? He made the art for it. It's the, the Gatewatch 
then they're all zombified versions of themselves. Except for Liliana. Except for Liliana, who's like raising them up and throwing the West Coast sign too. She's like doing this. Oh, she's this. totally doing yeah, West she's Coast. Going, West Coast. Best Coast. Um, so yeah, that, that's really exciting. Uh, Mark Rosewater had a panel on Saturday that I couldn't go to. He did Blogatog Live, which is the uh, sort of like the drive to work companion. I don't know. Mark does a lot of awesome stuff, and that's one of the his sort of things he puts out there is the Blogatog. Why couldn't you go to the thing? I had to go to my friend's wedding on Saturday. Oh. So I had to drive back to Los Angeles. What's funny is that none of this has actually happened yet, but Jimmy <laughs> is just commentating on it like it did. Yep. I can see the future. And it <laughs> like contains cable? Emrakul. Oh, like Cable, yeah. Another reason I love Boom, Cable, man. Boom, call back. Bow. Yeah, call back to Cable from the future. Us. Wow. Nice. That was, got there. I did the mind-blowing thing for those people that are on, listening to us. Josh, why can't you make it to Comic-Con this year? Um... I'm helping your brother and Rocket Jump with something. Oh. So I'm stuck in town, which is fine. I've been to Comic-Con so many times that, and I wasn't going to wait up all night for the Planeswalkers because they're not black foil. No. And the last time we did that. They're the FTV foiling process, too. I'm pretty sure I lost a couple years off my life the last time I did it. It was sweet, but we might never do that again. Well, I've done it two years in a row. I don't know about it. It's true. You did it once. I should say that Jimmy, last year, I was at Comic-Con. Oh, Yeah. But but I didn't stay up all night for the thing. But Jimmy still got me the black planeswalkers. In fact, they're back there somewhere. So over right here there. somewhere. Yeah. And uh, that is why Jimmy Wong is the man. <laughs> Seriously. I did it. Seriously. He could have just kept them. True. For just pure profit. But he is the man. So I'm going to go ahead and grab that back now that you mention it. <laughs> Uh, all right, make sure to check out our sister podcast, The Masters of Modern, Alex Kessler and Ben Bateman. They talk about all things competitive magic and modern, specifically as a format. You can find them uh, on Twitter at the MMCast or on rocketjump.com under the podcast tab right next to us. And our editor for the show is Terry Robertson. Special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer as well, who does the Living Card animations that start off the show with that awesome soul ring. You can find him at Living Cards MTG, and you can find all of our video podcasts, including this one that has video of Josh and I talking. You can see us talk to you, the camera, the entire time at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. And we also put them right up at rocketjump.com on the, under the podcast tab for the command zone as well. <laughs> That's the soul ring. Oh, oh. You know, the other music is probably playing right now, too. Because oh, it's it, going to be really confused. Terry's going to be like, guys. Guys, you can't just sing over the, the song. Peace. See ya. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. <laughs> Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that. 
and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.